Welcome to Frankly Speaking About Family Medicine, a CME podcast series where each week we translate today's late-breaking clinical research and news into tomorrow's practice. I'm Frank Domino, professor in the Department of Family Medicine and Community Health at the University of Massachusetts Medical School and editor-in-chief of the 5-Minute Clinical Consult series. Be sure to visit primed.com podcast after the discussion for more information about today's article and to claim CME-CE credit. Jason is a new patient in your practice. The staff notifies you that he has canceled and rescheduled five times in the last three months, but today he's presented and he appears nervous. Jason is 28, a transgender male who found out from a colleague that you are very caring and would seem open to taking care of him. He's had a few encounters with the healthcare system that were hurtful, and he's trying to overcome his fears and move forward. Hi, this is Frank Domino, and joining me today is Dr. Jill Terrian, Associate Professor and Director, Nurse Practitioner Specialties Program at the University of Massachusetts Medical School. How are you doing, Jill? Very good, Frank. Thank you very much for, for bringing the concepts and the questions around transgender care to our podcast. This is a hugely important issue, and uh, I'm really grateful for your efforts uh, in working on this. Um, before we get going, I'm, I'm certain many of our listeners um, need a little bit of a primer. Can you discuss um, some of the terms? What is transgender? What is gender identity and so forth? Sure. So transgender, and, and in this is, is basically an expressed gender that differs from your sex assigned at birth. So Jason presenting as a transgender male, he was born female and identifies as a male. Okay. Um, and gender identity and gender dysphoria? So gender identity is how the person perceives themselves. So it, it's often that they, they were given, assigned a, a, a gender at birth, um, but they've questioned and wondered whether this is accurate and they, they've had some issues. Correct. You know, typically, you know, we're male or female, and that's binary. And they're saying that there's something different. And, yes. and, uh, and that has to come with a great deal of uh, psychological stress and challenges as, as, you, as you grow. Um, but we're here to talk about what happens in our office. What are some of the challenges the folks in the LGBT population face with regards to health care? Well, there are several studies. Um, and basically, they are at uh, a higher risk for health disparities. They meet, they can meet many barriers in the healthcare system. They have um, high rates of mental health diagnoses that could include PTSD, anxiety, depression, um, also intimate partner violence, substance use abuse issues, and um, there is an increased rate of suicidality in this population, bullying, homelessness, um, and some high-risk sexual behavior. So th these are very high-risk populations from healthcare issues. Um, what can we do in our offices to help address some of these barriers? So we can provide an optimal environment for care. One, there are several suggestions. First, you know, having welcoming signage um, in your office that, you know, identifies your office as, you know, as, as friendly to this population, all right? Um, having your office staff and any other providers you work with trained in cultural humility and, um, so, and providing that safe environment for them. Um, 
because you want to establish rapport and trust with Jason and any patient, any of your patients, you know. So I think being attuned to the fact that these may be some possibilities in Jason's past, you don't want to rush to that conclusion until you meet them and discuss what the goals of care are today. I think I think that's pretty accurate. I think having having signage and training your staff are two important things in this day and age that we can we can help our staff feel better as well as our patients feel better because I'm sure they have trouble with the terminology. They they may have some um, unclear feelings about about especially transgender individuals that that we can help support. Well, Jason's here today, and, and he's, he's fairly young. He's only 28. Um, how do we decide about preventive services for him? It's that discussion. It's got to be that discussion with the patient. And this is, as you saw, uh, Jason has tried to come here several times. So he's made it here. So you want to make your best, you know, your best foot forward in establishing care with Jason. And it might just be introducing yourselves, getting to know yourselves a little bit better, possibly reviewing some of his health history, but it's going to be, you know, Jason, how can I help you best today? And let the patient drive the discussion to know what the needs are. It could take several visits before, you know, um, you get to uncover or, you know, make preventive suggestions for Jason. Okay, so assuming Jason... Uh, hasn't had uh, surgery, is he going to need pap smears? Is he going to need other um, other counseling with regards to uh, having female sex organs and versus male sex organs? Yes. So if we, if we can just go with, you know, there's been no surgeries and no horm hormone manipulation, that you have to do an exam based on the patient's current anatomy. So Jason's a transgender male. He has female body parts. Um, so, yes, you want to talk about preventive measures, you know, what would be recommended for his age and status. And um, so if it's decided that, you know, a GYN exam is needed and a pap smear, you want to make sure as you're examining Jason, you ask would you like a chaperone in the room, you know, and, and let them know that, you know, whatever makes them comfortable, that you're able to provide that. That, that sounds really smart. Now, you mentioned um, both some of the uh, psychological risks uh, that are sometimes associated with transgender individuals. Uh, you've also talked about hormones. Uh, this seems overwhelming. Um, what do you do if a patient wants to go on hormones and 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 um, how do you find them help is that something you want to take on you possibly could but you would have to have the additional training for that um, you might have depending on where your practice is you know what are your resources um, in this uh, podcast article i've listed several uh, websites that are national um, and available but you want to know what's in your community. So if you have, you know, in big cities, they have gender clinics and, you know, they do gender affirming procedures and, you know, advisements and take care of the patient that way. You as a primary care provider can get trained and be part of, you know, initiating and um, basically caring for Jason if Jason decides to have hormonal therapy. Okay. Um one area that I've been challenged with uh, in transgender individuals is helping myself and my staff 
know how to refer to those patients. Can you talk a little about about preferred pronouns and how people use them? Sure. So when you have, you know, many practices have patients do an intake form when they come in. So you want to make sure that you have gender neutral language on there. And that will help you if the patient fills out how they identify, that will tell you. So in Jason's case, if he put down he, him, you know, for his pronouns, you know how to refer to him. Um, and that will help the staff as they take that information. Um, you, As a provider, you think, you know, pers- you know, personally, I'm in my 50s. I did not have traditional training in my curriculum, you know, in LGBT, transgender, you know, healthcare. So it's a learning curve. But the good news is, is that most patients, you know, if you tell them that you're not, that you're willing to try and you might not know the exact terms, 50% of transgender patients have reported that they actually have taught their providers. And it actually seems welcoming if you if you are trying and you get tripped up on your words, it's okay to say, I just want to make sure I'm referring to you the right way. Could you tell me? What a great idea. Asking the patient to help you uh, probably builds trust with you and the patient and, and helps you from offending them or hurting their feelings or possibly pushing them away from a follow-up visit. I heard a horrifying story from one of my, um, one of my peers um, that they had struggled with their, um, their identity throughout a lot of their um, adolescent times and that when they had finally felt that they could say something to their provider, they would, the provider said to them, well, that's not my problem, let's move on. And my response to them was, did you ever go back to that provider? And the answer was no. And that peer did not seek any sort of prevention or medical advisement for years. So it can be very damaging. So language matters. Words matter. I, I, I couldn't agree more. Well, thank you very much, Jill. This is, this is an important topic, and I look forward to learning more and more about appropriate transgender care. Thank you, Frank. Practice pointer. Making your office and your office staff uh, well-trained in handling patients who define themselves as transgender is an important part of the care we provide. A welcoming environment will lead to optimal outcomes. Join us next week when we talk about uh, if red meat is now safe for all to eat. Thank you for listening to Frankly Speaking About Family Medicine, brought to you by PrimeMed. To claim credit and receive additional information about the article referenced in today's episode, visit primed.com slash podcast and see you next week.